Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, Aphorism for July 14. That's Bastille Day, I think, isn't it? July 14th, the day that they stormed the Bastille in, Bastille in France in the French Revolution and freed the prisoners. If it isn't July 14th, it's really close to that. It was a big day for personal freedom and a terrible day for human emotion running wild. Interesting how often things are a conflict, aren't they? A, a psychic lady told me that I helped start the French Revolution. <laughs> I actually don't, I don't think I did, but what she was speaking was the truth, which is that the gift of articulation can be used to bring people to truth or to bring them to error. And I'm sure I've brought a lot of people to error, which is why I have to talk all the time now about truth, of a karmic debt to pay. So, moving right along. Let no one agitate you. You will never know happiness if you lose your inner peace. If ever you do become distressed, try to calm your heart's feelings by stilling your reactions there. Allow no one to impose on you his hopes, desires, and expectations of you. Even should you find yourself behind prison bars, let no one imprison your mind. Personal integrity is the first and absolute necessity for soul liberation. You know, it's interesting. I, I, because I, partly because I was raised in a Jewish family, but also because I've just had an inclination toward. Uh, well, it's probably because I helped start the French Revolution or the equivalent thereof. I've had lifetimes of agitation, of of uh, external tempestuousness, in which I believe more than once I've ended up in prison or ended up in some difficult circumstances, maybe even extremely difficult. So I've always been very interested, I, I have been interested, I'm, I'm less so now, reading about concentration camps and war, prisoners of war, and places where a person's liberty is taken away from them, and how do they cope? That's always the question, how do they cope? And uh, I was thinking about, and I can't remember which of the great great writers about the 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 concentration camps during the Second World War, whether it was Eli Wiesel or Viktor Frankl or um, others that I have read, but they talked about how how powerfully and in a positive way. I believe now this is Viktor Frankl, who was a psychiatrist when he was arrested at 24, and then he lived through it, and then went on to a very illustrious career. In, in the psychiatric field, how, how absolutely everything was taken away and they, they all realized that they, they still had, just exactly what, said, what Swami says, they still had their own integrity and that it was so starkly obvious that all they ever had was their own integrity. That all of the accoutrements of accomplishment and comfort and just everything else that you can put in around it was so exceedingly superficial 
and, and, and proved to be absolutely ephemeral. But who you were in, you know, in that men's prison as a man uh, was everything. And it, it was, it, he, they really, he really discovered, Victor really discovered that no one could imprison him if he kept that inner freedom. They could hold his body, they could deprive him of food, they could, they could hurt him, but they couldn't actually touch him. And of course, this powerfully informed what he did afterwards in his psychiatric work in terms of what is mental health. A great deal of mental health has been based on mental sickness and sort of like dealing with mental sickness. And, and there isn't as much psychiatry, although there's much more now, dealing with what, what optimal looks like. But he built his whole uh, mental health story based on what he learned um, in a state of absolute deprivation uh, about who a man is and his will to live and his, his ability to hold his sanity really in such a situation. It all became very much up to him. Now, Swami takes this all the way to being in prison as an extreme example, but he starts earlier. Let no one agitate you. You will never know happiness if you lose your inner peace. This, of course, is a theme all the way through. Inner peace is everything. If you do become distressed, try to calm your heart's feelings by stilling your reactions there. This is a very um, truncated, a very succinct reference to the, really to the whole entire science of yoga. which um, Yoga, which in this sense means union, union with the small self, with the divine self, is when the vrittis, the whirlpools of feeling, are neutralized, become still. And the, the whirlpools of feeling that uh, bind us to delusion emanate from the heart, not from the heart physical, although it can manifest through there. If you're deeply disappointed, you always have a broken heart. As Swami says, people don't say, oh, my sweetheart left me, I have a broken knee. It's just not how you think about it, because you feel it in the heart because of the heart chakra. Because the heart chakra is related in close proximity to the physical heart. So, I mean, I keep, I'm touching myself here as I say this. You know, when somebody gets a terrible disappointment, sometimes they'll grip themselves right here. And by the same token, sometimes when you feel deeply uplifted, you also rest your hands on your heart. Because the heart is the center of feeling, but not just emotional feeling, the feeling quality of the divine and the feeling quality of divinity is who we really are. And the true feeling quality of divinity is perfect bliss. The aberration of it, however, which gets influenced by the ego, which is centered at the medulla in terms of the chakras, um, and you can find out more about this under my name and on other many persons' names about the chakras, worth learning, is because the heart is where the likes and dislikes reside. And if one is... If one honestly looks at life in a very impersonal, without imposing all of the preconceptions of the egoic mind on it, our likes and dislikes are what keep us in a constant state of alternating pleasure and pain, happiness and sorrow, fear and comfort. It's like, I want it to be this way, I don't like it being this way. I want it to be this way, I don't want it to be that way. Even to the obvious thing, I prefer, I would, I, I don't like being in the concentration camp. I want to be out of the concentration camp. I mean, something as obvious 
as commonsensical as that would seem, Viktor Frankl realized that deep inside of ourselves we have mastery even over that. Our personal integrity is to remain who we are no matter what is going on around us. So, going again, I'm going forward and backward in this. Swami just says, if you do find yourself being agitated by persons or circumstance, try to calm the reactions in the heart. And by that, again, he means the heart chakra, likes and dislikes. I'm afraid of this, I want that, I do want this, I don't want that. It's, it's amazing because the true feeling when everything is still is bliss, and everything else is, and I know this is hard unless one has studied this for a while, is a superficial and temporary imposition on that state of bliss. And Swami also talks about it as inner peace. Inner peace stands at the heart of stillness between all the dualities that are always tossing us about. So this is how we, we solve our, our, our discomforts, our, our unhappinesses, our disappointments. This is how we prevent ourselves from becoming so invested, even in positive things, that if they leave us, then suddenly we are bound to boomerang all the way back, is by calming the reactions of the heart. Now, see, many people think if you calm the reactions of the heart, your feelings are less intense or less sensitive. In fact, that's absolutely wrong, because when we're always moving back and forth, even in the most positive moment, there is at least a subconscious fear of what's going to happen. But when we're calmly in the center, realizing that it's, it's endlessly oscillating, and we feel both the inner peace and the divine bliss of being at that center, we know that that inner peace and that divine bliss, even if outer circumstances change, those feelings are inherent and unconditioned by outer circumstances, and therefore the fear of change um, at least diminishes and ultimately disappears altogether. One of the first aphorisms of Swami Kriyananda, which I think I heard and read in a book of his in 1969, was, the only certainty in life is change. Most people dislike change, that's why most people are unhappy. Now, I don't think I got that wording perfect, because Swami always words it perfectly, but I, I really thought about that a lot. The only certainty is that things won't stay the same. Everybody wants things to stay the same, and, or wants them at least to cooperate with their likes and dislikes, so we're always afraid. We're always insecure. I mean, imagine what it's like to not be afraid. And I don't just mean to not be terrified, I mean, to be in a state of peace no matter what. So we practice. When things begin to agitate us, we concentrate on the heart, we breathe in and out, and now, of course, you have to have something to back this up. You know, if, if, we, if we know how to bring our mind to a calmer state, if we know how to concentrate on our breath, if we know how to lift the attention to the spiritual life, you know how to meditate, in other words, is what I'm saying. If we know how to live in the inner world, we pull ourselves back a little bit from the outer world. That doesn't mean we don't participate. I've been previous of these aphorisms even just this month. 
Um, I was talking about how the fact that Swamiji didn't identify with the events of his life, didn't define himself by the events of his life, didn't mean he wasn't committed to carrying them out. We can be committed to carrying them out, but from a point of peace. And this is why it serves us to have techniques of meditation, of prayer, of devotion to God, that give us a place to re-enter that point of peace, which gives us a perspective. You know how little children are? Sometimes when they become scared, you know, the little ones that are like just above the kneecap of the mother, and something will happen that is like a dog or a stranger or a big noise, and the child in its way just, you know, it, it enwraps itself around the, the parent's legs or their clothes or whatever it is and just goes into the security of the, that body that they're used to huddling up against. And then often you'll see them, uh, their curiosity. Now from that safe haven, their curiosity allows them to peek around. Or if you're a stranger trying to make, stranger to the child, trying to make friends with that child, you may offer the child a little toy or a little piece of candy, just trying to make friends, and you'll see that you know their fear and their eagerness will sort of play with each other, and they'll, they'll venture out a little bit into the world to see it. Well, that's honestly how we should think about our inner peace. It's like when things begin to agitate us, retreat to that inner peace. Calm the reactions of the heart. Step back. You know, bring in the other aphorisms that we've read. Be a little mentally detached. Step back in the heart just into the heart, calming the reactions, but going into the part of the heart which is the source of our bliss. And then from there, peer out and decide what I will and I won't do. And then if we find ourselves getting agitated again, be careful. And it's not necessarily that any of this shows physically. You know, a grown person, unfortunately, can't just run and hide behind the skirt of its mother. It would be considered odd and probably would not further your career. But inwardly, you can always retreat to the peace of your heart, even in the middle of a very tough negotiation. And if you can retreat to that, calm the reactions, look at the whole thing from the calm, still center of peace, very often then you see a whole other stream of awareness will come to you because you won't be afraid anymore. You won't have to have it this way or have to have it that way. You're your happiness becomes unconditioned. Swami writes in another one of these ones, he never gives up his inner peace, even if he has to ignore important work. He won't do it because if he's not in his state of inner peace, he will make a mistake. And if he is, he'll make enlightened decisions. Thus, Swami says, let no one agitate you. You will never know happiness if you lose your inner peace. If ever you do become distressed, Try to calm your heart's feelings by stilling your reactions there. Allow no one to impose on you his hopes, desires, and expectations of you. Even should you find yourself behind prison bars, let no one imprison your mind. Personal integrity is the first and absolute necessity for soul liberation. God bless you. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.